Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there is so much information out there, so I'm here to help you navigate it all and live your best life. Thanks for listening. Let's get into it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I have such a fun episode today. Just such a treat. I am talking to Tanya Rad. Tanya is the co-host of On Air with Ryan. She's an e-correspondent. She is the co-host of Scrubbing In with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. And she's a modern woman extraordinaire. And if you guys don't follow her over on Instagram, just go follow her now because her energy, her attitude, her optimism, all of it is infectious. And you guys will hear in this episode how I first came to be introduced to her. Before I got sober, I used to hear her on the radio when I was like driving to work at my job at like seven in the morning, hungover as shit, or sometimes still drunk, or sometimes even drinking. And I was like, wow, this girl like clearly got the playbook to life and I did not. You'll hear us talk about it in this episode. And then she and I became internet friends many years later, a couple years ago. And I just love her. She's just such like a a light. So anyway, in this episode, we're kind of all over the place, but we talk about knowing your worth. I mean, she has from the beginning been like, this is who I am. And she knows her worth. She sticks to her values. And that seems to be no easy feat, especially in the entertainment industry. So it's really interesting to hear her perspective on that. We talk about finding your purpose, even if you don't really know what you want to do. We talk about dating in your 20s and 30s. And yeah, we talk about her career in radio and TV and how she navigated the pressures of the entertainment industry while really staying true to herself and how she overcame imposter syndrome in the beginning, especially, and how she prioritizes herself with a busy career. She always on Instagram is showing and talking about her Tanya time. And we talk about her wellness routine and non-negotiables and her experience dating in LA and how she kind of was playing the field, but she really held out for true love and she's in a relationship now. And of course, we talk about her mindset and how she maintains such a positive attitude and so much more. It's like truly girl talk, but also really substantive. And I think you guys are going to love it. So enjoy. 
All right. Welcome, Tanya. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Tanya and I have been internet friends for a few years now. (laughs) We were just talking off mic about it. And I was saying how it's like the most LA thing ever to finally be like, even though we're not face to face, but we're on Zoom doing this on a podcast because we were trying to get together before COVID and then the world turned upside down. So, so happy to talk to you though. You've always been such an inspiration to me and I know to so many other people. And when I was getting ready for this interview, I was thinking about like what I wanted to talk to you about. And I could remember back to before I got sober. So like over eight years ago, I had this internship in the Valley. I was living in West Hollywood and I would go in the morning at like 7.30, hung over as shit, chain smoking cigarettes, sometimes even drinking wine in my car. Like it was towards the end when I was like a really, really, really bad alcoholic. But I would listen to On Air with Ryan and I would, I remember I would hear you and I was just like, my life was in such a terrible place. And you were somebody who had so much like energy and just like this, I don't know, infectious like joy. And you seem to really have your shit together. And I was like, who is this person? How did she do this? And I just remember like you being this little bit of like sunshine in like such a dark time. Um, Here's the nicest thing. (laughs) Literally, that is so nice. And so I was like, I was thinking about it for this interview. And I wanted to ask you just to open, if you always knew what you wanted to do, like if you knew what you wanted to do in life and you had a sense of direction and you executed and you did it, how did that come about? How did you land where you landed? And has your attitude always been an attitude of like positivity and optimism? Okay. So the crazy thing is with my story is that I didn't seek out to have this job or this role. I knew I wanted to be in the music industry. And so I was either going to work for like a record label or do the radio thing. And so I kind of got led into the radio world. And what's crazy is I was always a producer. So I was like behind the scenes of the show, the morning show. And for like two years, I was behind the scenes as a producer and I loved it. I didn't have any desire really to be on air. But anytime Ryan would come to me with something, I would talk and it was fun. And I loved the whole vibe of it. So at the time, his co-host was getting her own morning show and they were like bringing in all these girls to like audition to be the next co-host. And Ryan and I just had a really good rapport. And so basically what they did is they created a third mic on the show for me. So they brought in Sisney, who was the new co-host. And then they made this third mic for me because I wasn't trained. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't seek this out. So it's like on the technical side of radio, I had no idea what I was doing. I literally felt like a fish just got thrown into the ocean, like had like learn how to swim. But the thing that I had going with me or going for me was the chemistry with Ryan, you know, like we just had a really good like rapport. And that's the thing that I realized is like, you could go to school and learn all the skills and do all the things, but what it really comes down to for a lot of it, especially in this industry is, is chemistry and personality in a weird way. And so I did always have, I've always been super, like I was Susie sorority in college. I was like... (laughs) singing, dancing. I was in all the clubs and that that surprised me at all. (laughs) I like the thing that when you were saying that you were like really bad and you were like in that phase of your life where you were chain smoking and all that stuff. Uh I never had that phase of life, not because I didn't, it was just never, 
it sounds so cliche or like trite, but like, I was always really high on life. Like I drink a lot. Like I like to drink, but I never did any drugs. Like I was never into drugs and I was always really, really just like peppy and positive. And it's funny because when you get thrown into the entertainment industry, it's like the opposite of that. And I remember in the beginning of my career, like a lot of women in particular being really cutthroat and nasty to me. And I just remember being like, I used to have this like imaginary cocoon that I would just like zip up when I would go. And I would just like say, nobody's going to like infiltrate. They're not going to change me. I'm going to stay the way that I am. And it's nice because I feel like the industry has really changed in a way where women are supporting each other and not feeling so combative in that sense, but it hasn't always been like this. With the new year coming up, I know so many people are going to be revamping their wellness routines and finding ways to look and feel their best. And look, New Year's resolutions and the like get a really bad rap, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, businesses have to take inventory and we can too. We can look at what's working and what's not working. So with that... I want to talk about something that truly does it all, and that is Athletic Greens. I started taking it because a friend of mine swore by it, and it seemed like a good alternative to green juice, which usually either tastes really bitter if you get it without any fruit or it has a ton of sugar in it. And Athletic Greens has become a non-negotiable part of my day. So you're probably wondering what is in this magical potion? Well, In one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens and their newest iteration, which is AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and yes, aging. So it really touches all of the things. So I like to take it first thing in the morning before my matcha so that all those vitamins and minerals are the first thing I give my body when I wake up besides water, of course, although I do mix the AG1 with water. And I swear it gives me energy and I just feel like I've covered so many bases already just by doing this one really simple thing. So AG1 is lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free. As I said, it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting really good. I like to add some ice to mine and have it really cold. And it also can help support better sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity and alertness. And it really is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
You guys probably know I am a big fan of salmon and anytime that I share about it, if I'm eating it, posting on Instagram stories or whatever, I always get so many questions asking me where I like to buy my salmon. And we are lucky in California. We have a lot of farmers markets and pretty good seafood, but going to be totally honest with you, nine times out of 10, I am not going, I'm not dealing with the hassle of finding parking and dealing with the crowds. So I have been using Ocean Salmon. Ocean is created for those who want their perfect protein match, one that's easy to prepare, packed with protein and makes you glow from within. We know salmon is packed with omega-3s. And the thing that I love about Ocean so much is that They guarantee that you are getting your salmon a week fresher than you would at any retailer. And this is huge because in other parts of the country where you don't necessarily have your air wands or your farmer's markets, or if you are in a city like LA and you have those options, but you just have a really busy lifestyle and don't want to deal with going to the store, you know that you are getting super, super fresh salmon. It's free from growth hormones, free from heavy metals. It is best aquaculture practices certified. They use the latest technology and innovation to deliver fresh and sustainable salmon. And they really work with the environment versus against it. So I cannot recommend this enough. It is so convenient. And also the fish is just so good. It's delivered straight to you. You can choose from different options, whether you're just feeding two people or if you have a larger family or you're having a party or you want to freeze some, totally up to you. And it is just so amazing. Such a good gift for yourself, for somebody in your life who loves salmon and they have a great offer for you. You can use the code blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E at checkout for 15% off your first purchase at oceansalmon.com. So again, that's 15% off your first purchase with the code blonde at oceansalmon.com. That's O-S-H-E-N-S-A-L-M-O-N.com. I have a question related to what you were saying in the beginning about like kind of being a fish out of water in this environment. Did you deal with like imposter syndrome? (laughs) That's a yes. I see her face as a yes. How did you deal with the imposter syndrome of that? So I actually talk about this all the time because, so because I didn't get my start the way that you're like supposed to, I had to deal with a man that always kind of chopped me down, you know, was always said things about my personality and how it was too much. And people only want it in small doses. And like, that's hard to hear when you're doing something that you don't really even feel like you should be doing, you know what I mean? So it got to me, like it got to me for many, many years. And it's something that I still struggle with today because I remember when I got the first call from E to do a red carpet for E, I was like on television and I was just like, these people want me on TV. I've never done TV. I don't know how to like, I don't know what to do with my face. I'm in radio, you know, like I can talk, but I can't, I don't know how to act. And so every step along the way in my journey has everything like good that comes my way. I'm just like, why is this coming my way? I don't deserve this. And I think it's something that like just a lot of women struggle with in general, because especially for me, I feel very, very lucky and fortunate to have this career that I love And so there's always this kind of like, 
I don't deserve this. There's so many other women that are qualified to be doing this. Why me? But I kind of have to just push all those things aside. And I'd have like affirmations that I say to myself. So like before every award show, I'll say a little like, you know, you are capable, you are deserving, you are, you know, like all these things, because I don't think it ever really goes away, but I've definitely been able to manage it in a healthier way now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something else that I wanted to ask you, because I heard you talk about this on another interview was like, when you do have these big opportunities coming your way, especially if you feel like maybe you don't deserve it or something, how do you deal with that anxiety and that fear? Because from an outsider point of view, you look like you're somebody who, like you're saying, like you are just kind of unapologetically yourself. You are very like upbeat and bubbly and personable. And I would assume like sociable and all of these things. And so it seems like the job that you're in and the opportunities that come your way are just like natural for you and they are meant for you. And I heard you back to what I was saying, like I heard you in an interview saying, you've been terrified for some of these things, like the red carpets in particular. So how do you manage that? First of all, thank you. I mean, I just need to like have you in my pocket at all times. So just like, <laughs> it's really, really nice. I'll because voice memos, like you yeah. are deserving. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because when it comes down to like, essentially your job is a lot to do with your personality. And so when you don't get a gig or you get passed up for something, you know, you, I, you look inward and you're like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I get that? Why, what don't they like about me? But I think what I had to come to terms with is like, I can't change myself. I just have to be my authentic self. And the people in the industry that like that will hire me. And the people that don't, won't. I can't change myself to be a different person for a different outlet or for a different space. But in the beginning, I used to prep like, I would prep like a crazy person to the point where like, I didn't have a life. All I did was just prep. I remember my first award show with E where I was doing a Jason Kennedy. So I, he and I were doing all the interviews. And this was my first one that was just like live. You didn't know who was coming your way. They give you a list of like a hundred names of who could possibly come by. Was this the Golden Globes? No, this was oh. Billboard Music Awards a okay. few years ago. Uh-huh. And I was just like, what do I <laughs> like? Normally I do one interview at a time. I have, I can prep for it. You know, this is a list of a hundred people that could or couldn't be coming. So it's like, you kind of have to prep for them all. So I think I took it a little too extreme and I just spent way too much time prepping, but I guess you can never prep too much. I've, mm-hmm. I've learned to like have a healthy balance now. And then at the end of the day, when like the day comes, I do, I say my little affirmations and I just try and have as much fun as possible because I also think nobody really knows what they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody just kind of acts like they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'll never forget. I, like they're telling me stuff in my ear. And this is the first time I've ever had like an in-ear. Oh God. <laughs> I have a conversation with somebody that I'm interviewing and they're telling me these things in my ear and I'm not doing any of it. Cause what I can't are they telling it. you. Wrap it up. Oh, go God. to prom. <laughs> you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, thank God I had Jason Kennedy by my side, who was like a pro and yeah. could listen to them and have a conversation because I like wouldn't have been able to do it. That's so funny. Yeah. I'm just picturing myself in that situation. I would not do very well. There have been times where like I'll be at an event or something speaking. And if someone's like, wrap it up, I'm like, uh, uh, and I like completely <laughs> freeze. Like, right, I'm right. Not like I can't have somebody Yes. yes. <laughs> Have you ever had any interviews that didn't go very well? I mean, I've had interviews with people that I didn't necessarily like 
click with, but I've never had a traumatizing experience on the carpet. Thankfully, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I did early on in my career have a a very awkward encounter with Busy Phillips. Ooh. I asked her something. You can share. Well, it was like my, one of my first carpets. So I'm like super green. I had no idea what I was doing. And at that, at that time, it was the time where like everybody just wanted you to get the, like that scoop, you know? Mm-hmm. And I also feel like it wasn't very me. Right. I'm not that person. I'm not salacious. I'm not trying to like get the dirt. I just want to like learn from people and share stories, you know? Yeah. So I remember I did probably ask her something that was having to do with like, I think it was Michelle Williams, who was her friend, her best friend and somebody she was dating at the time. Like, oh, did you set them up? Or I didn't say it in a mean way. I said it <laughs> very kind. And like, she was so mean to me. Oh, oh no. Like, I can't be the first person that's asked something like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Just like, oh, I don't want to answer that. Like, thanks, bye. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel like if you're a celebrity at that level, like you should know how to handle right. a situation like that with grace. Like, <laughs> That's scary. But it could have been a bad night. I don't know. I don't know her personally, True. but I sticks out. Like I was just like, whoa. Oh my God. So this attitude of being unapologetically yourself and you're just not going to try to like fit into this mold and be a chameleon and change. Have you always had that? And like, if so, where did that come from? Do you think? Yeah. So I used to call it ratitude. Um, <laughs> And I've had it my whole life. Like I, when I was in high school, I created a musical synergy club because I love music. <laughs> it was like Shakira, John Mayer fan club. Nobody oh got like, in it. it was Have you gotten so to meet them yet? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Both and they were them? both, yeah, both of them. They were really, really cute. Shakira was like amazing about it. And so was John Mayer, but he was like, why didn't I get my own club? Why did I have to share it with Shakira? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, but I always felt like I never really fit into the mold. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I, now that I'm in therapy, I start to realize how much our childhood or like our school experience has shaped us to the adults that we are. And I feel like I never really fit in. You know, I went to a Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade and I wasn't Catholic. And so all those like, milestones that they would do at school. I would be in like a blue dress when everybody was in a white dress and like, cause my parents didn't know, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like I always stuck out in a weird way. And so I kind of think I built that thick skin early on. Do you feel like you are living out your purpose right now? For sure. I think, you know, it's interesting because I went through a really bad breakup right before I got the on-air gig. And this was the man that I thought I was going to Mary, I was going to move to Arizona, have a bunch of kids by like 23. And we ended up breaking up and I felt like my life turned upside down. I didn't know which way was up. I didn't really feel like I had a purpose. Like I did, I had a job, but I didn't feel like I had a passion. And when I got this on-air role and especially through my podcast, I felt like I've created this community of women that's like a really beautiful, safe space. I've always, I've always been the youngest kid and I've always wanted to be a big sister. And I feel like I have that relationship with a lot of our listeners. You know, I talk about my chronic UTIs. I talk about periods. I talk about stuff that, you know, sex or masturbation and things that people don't 
even want to talk to their friends about, you know, so they can come to me and I'll just give them the list of things, you know, like you need a toy. Here you go. You need UTI meds. Like this is what I do. So in a weird way, I know it sounds silly, but I just feel very purpose filled. And again, because I never really sought it out. I feel like I don't really know what the future holds in terms of career. Like, I don't know where I'll be in five years, but I know I'll be living in purpose for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I feel the same way where like people ask me, where do you think you'll be in five years? And I'm like, I have no freaking idea. And that's like the beauty of it. Like you just keep doing the next thing that's put in front of you. When you started developing your career, did you kind of feel the same way? You just started doing it because you loved it. And then it started kind of gaining traction. Yeah. I mean, I was pursuing something completely different. I was in school to be a drug and alcohol counselor, like when I was kind of newly sober. And I thought that that's what I wanted to do with my life. And on the side, I started an Instagram as like a workout accountability thing. And it just kind of snowballed. And I enjoyed doing it so much, like from the creative aspect of it. And also kind of in a similar way that you like to share, like you feel like you're in a kind of big sister role. I felt like I had a lot to share just from what I had gone through, like with my struggles and overcoming alcoholism and addiction and like multiple health issues and everything that came along with it. So yeah, I mean, it, like you said, because I was doing it organically, it really was like a passion thing. And I think when you're really putting your passion behind something, like it just snowballs. And so I got you know to the point. Interesting though, like you almost, even though you were going to school to be a drug and alcohol counselor, you kind of are that in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely the kind of thing where I can look back and see how everything in my life, even back from when I was like a teenager and like scrapbooking things, that was like the OG blogging <laughs> back in the day. Good aesthetic. I do have to say, I've always been so drawn to your, just your page in general. I love Thank the you. content, but just the, the visual aspect of it is just so like beautiful. You have Thank such you. a good eye and it's very... um it does not go unnoticed. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, these days everyone's like, aesthetics are out. It's like the Gen Z, they're like over the aesthetic. And I'm like, no, I am keeping mine. I love my, my beige so tones. Gen Z everything when they're like, I know. Oh, the blonde hair, they don't like yeah. the jeans. I'm like, I just got to do my, just got to do me. I know. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm like chuggy now with the blonde hair. <laughs> But you know, like Adele, Adele said the other day, because I can't remember what somebody asked her, but it was something like something about her music and TikTok. And she yeah. was like, no, I'm making music for the 30 and 40 year olds or, you know, the people that are on TikTok. And I was like, I, I love that. TikTok is like the thorn in my side because everyone's like, you have to do TikTok now. And I'm like, I get that. And like, I don't have the bandwidth to do it on top of everything else. I enjoy TikTok a lot more yeah. than I ever have. I really like find myself going deep into some of these videos. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like such a rabbit hole. I mean, it's to the point where like, I can't really go on it because I know I'm about to waste hours of my day. (laughs) Okay. So another thing about the holidays is that we eat all the food, right? I know at least for myself personally, I eat so many things I don't normally eat in my day-to-day life, not because they're bad, just because like I'm not down to eat mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and pie every day. But over Thanksgiving, for example, I ate 
everything. I had stuffing, actually two kinds of stuffing, mac and cheese, and we're talking regular cheese, pies, breads, casseroles. I don't even know. And the first thing I did when I got home was I took my array bloat capsules and I had no bloat, no discomfort whatsoever. So I've been taking these for a while now. And every time I share about them on Instagram, people DM me and they're like, do they really work though? Or is this just an ad? And I'm like, well, it's an ad. I've worked with them for a while, but they really do work. And then I hear back from those same people a week or two later and they say, holy crap, I can't believe they work. So (laughs) I can relate. That's how I felt because I feel like we're sold so many supplements that claim to help with bloating and usually they don't work. So how Array bloat capsules work is they blend targeted natural ingredients formulated by a naturopathic doctor to soothe your digestive system and you can take them for acute discomfort. You can take them for maintenance or you can take them in anticipation of eating something heavy, all of which I have done and they are just as effective every time. They are so good and they also work really fast. And then also they have their new bloat latte, which I just have to talk about for a second because it's so good. You know, I really can't relate to people who have tea for dessert and are like, wow, that was so satisfying. But I have been making this at night with like a little macadamia milk and I add extra cinnamon and maybe a little honey and just froth it up really well. And it is truly delicious. After dinner really helps to wake up not bloated. So definitely check that out as well. So if you guys want to try Array, go to Array.com, that's A-R-R-A-E.com and use the code BLONDEFILES at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off your first month of your subscription. Again, that's Array.com and the code is BLONDEFILES for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off the first month of a subscription. I probably sound like a broken record by now, but I get super stressed at the end of the year because of impending deadlines and all of the loose ends that have to be tied up at the end of the year and then throw some travel into the mix. And it's a recipe for complete overwhelm. All I can say is thank God for Ned CBD because they have gotten me through some seriously trying times, particularly this fall. Even now, like I'm in New York and flying over here, I took some of the full spectrum CBD before my flight, which helps with my flying anxiety, which ebbs and flows, but definitely ebbs when I use the NED. And then the sleep oil really helps with my jet lag and really helps me get a good night's sleep. Also, you know, I love my mellow magnesium. I don't go anywhere without it. And they have a new lemon flavor out that I'm dying to try. It is the absolute best magnesium I have ever used. And I've talked about this before, but when I started using it, it was like a missing puzzle piece that my body had needed all along. And so many things fell into place when I incorporated it into my routine from sleep to muscle recovery intention to digestion and beyond. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, this sounds great, but how is Ned different from any other CBD brand? I will tell you why. All of Ned's products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. They're chock full of premium CBD and a full spectrum of active cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, and trichomes. And Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and 
balance. Also, Ned is USDA certified organic. All of their full spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer in Colorado. And they are just amazing. I want to tell you quickly about their new product, which is the de-stress blend. It's been in development for over a year and it's amazing. It's a one-to-one formula of CBD and CBG made from the world's purest full spectrum hemp. And it features a botanical infusion of ashwagandha, cardamom, and cinnamon. So another reason why I love Ned, just to let you guys know, because I know this is important to you as it is to me, is their transparency. They share third-party lab reports, who farms their products, and their extraction processes all right there on their site. So you can definitely go check that out if you are curious. So for the holidays, they are offering my listeners 20% off Ned products with the code BLONDE. That's B-L-O-N-D-E. And then if you spend more than $150, Ned is throwing in free gifts with every order and their gifts are always really amazing. So visit www.helloned.com slash blonde to get access to all of this. That is H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash B-L-O-N-D-E to get 20% off plus free gifts with orders over $150. Do you have any tips for somebody who's listening who's like, I get this whole purpose thing, but like I, there's nothing that I'm doing that I'm passionate about, or I don't know what my purpose is. You know, something that uh, my mentor told me really early on in my career was chase the passion, not the paycheck. Mm -hmm. And so I was lucky enough to where I, you know, I, after I graduated from college, I moved back in with my parents to, because I wasn't, I was interning, I wasn't making any money. And of course I wanted to move out and I wanted to like live on my own, but it was like the best advice because at that time in my life, I didn't need to be in an apartment. I didn't need to have a new car. I didn't need any, you know, like as you get older, you do need to like sustain your life and you need to have a place to live and you need a car and like all that stuff. But it was like the best advice. And so if you do like, let's say you do need the paycheck and you have a job that pays really well, but it's not your passion. I think if anything, what we realize now is like, you can do multiple things. So you can have a side hustle. That's your passion and work on that from time to time until you're able to make that your full-time thing and cut the cord on the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially now there's just so, there's so much opportunity in that. And so really just kind of explore what brings you joy and kind of try and hone in on that. You know, like I have a girlfriend who she was in the entertainment industry and she quit her job because it was just like sucking the life out of her. And her husband made enough money to support the both of them. So she didn't really like need to work. So she quit, but then she felt purposeless. She felt like she didn't really have a purpose. And so she started this Etsy shop because she really liked creating and being artistic and actually making things. And now she has like a full-blown Etsy shop where she gets to do, be creative and do what she loves, but on her own time, in her own way, being her own boss. And I just think that's really cool, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. I think there are like you, I think you were alluding to this, like there are so many more ways nowadays to pursue your passions and turn that into a business just with like, yeah. like even if you're, if you're a teacher and like you love teaching, but you don't love your teaching position. It's like, you can create 
a whole tutor program on your Instagram Mm -hmm. or like through Instagram and get, you know, start tutoring kids. And maybe if you can get enough kids at once, that can be your living, you know, and there's more passion and purpose in that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a creative job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So another thing that I really admire is your Tanya time. You seem to, no matter what's going on in your life, carve out your Tanya time. What does that look like? And how did you prioritize that? I love my Tanya time. And it's like a game changer because I think when I was starting out in the industry, you can really get sucked into, I would spend 14 hour days in the studio, not because anybody made me or because that was demanded of me, but because I wanted to do, I wanted to go above and beyond, or I was helping other people with their projects. Like, you know, like I just got very sucked into this go, go, go mentality. And to the point where I felt like I would like wake up and just like, I'd go in this hamster wheel, come home, shower, go to bed and like do it all over again. What time are you waking up during that? Five. Okay. Okay. So it's not like three, five, five is okay. No, no, no. I mean, I look like this every day. I don't like put much effort into my, into my, uh, my whole situation. You look amazing. Thank you. I sometimes I think in the beginning I was like waking up a lot earlier to try and like, you know, like do all the things. Mm-hmm. But I think it got to a point where I felt like I wasn't really prioritizing my health. It got to a point where I was feeling very lethargic and just not myself. I wasn't sleeping well. And so it got to a point where I was just like, I have to really prioritize and give myself just one hour a day. Usually it's a workout, like usually I'll go for a run or a walk or something or go to a workout class. But like when I'm on my period, sometimes I'll just use that hour to do Pilates or stretch or meditate or go sit in the sauna for an hour. Just something that's like an hour where I don't have to think about anything or anyone. And I just kind of like zone out. And it's been like the best thing for me physically and mentally. So what is your wellness routine like now? And what are you into right now in wellness? Uh, I have a future 15 journal that I write in for 15 minutes every day and just kind of envision my future and what that looks like. I love that. What's interesting, I got this from, we had Ryan Serhant. I don't know if you watch Million Dollar List in New York, but he does this every day. And I was like, what a great practice. And I think if anything, the pandemic taught me, it was like not to create goals that are so specific in my life because And like, I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions because if you don't do it for a day or two, then you feel like a failure. Yeah. So I kind of believe I create vision boards every year and I want to feel a certain way. I want to have a certain lifestyle. I want to have relationships and also be doing something that I love. So it's like not so specific. So I write in my journal about just kind of what my future looks like for me in terms of just like what I'm doing on a daily basis, who I'm with, like things like that. Career-wise, you know, I want to do speaking engagements and things like that. So I just like write every day about future goals. Um, And then my hour of Tanya time is like definitely a game changer and water. I just drink a ton of water. (laughs) Love that. So simple. Just (laughs) very basic, you know, (laughs) really. I'm curious not to get like too far in the weeds about this, but since you are in the entertainment industry, I'm sure radio is different from TV, but you're also doing stuff with E. Have you felt pressure from being in the entertainment industry to like look a certain way? And how did you deal with that if you have experienced it? 
Yeah, I think I definitely went through a phase where in the, especially in the beginning of doing carpets and TV and stuff where I felt, you know, everybody else is like a size zero or a size two and I'm not that. And it's not to say that I feel like I'm this, like, you know, I, I don't have, I don't know how to say it. I always felt like I needed to be that sample size mm-hmm. for the dresses or for whatever. And I think I came to terms with the fact that my body's never going to look like that. And I had to do a lot of like reprogramming in my brain. And I would look in the mirror and when I was naked and just like look at my body and like speak affirmations over it instead of like, I always used to think I had just like crazy thunder thighs and I would do anything to like get rid of them, you know? And to the point where I just like, wasn't taking care of myself. And I think that I realized my body's just built a different way and I do the best that I can. I eat clean. I do enjoy my sugary treats and I don't deprive myself, but I also feel like I eat really clean and I drink alcohol. Sometimes it doesn't make me feel great, but like it also makes me feel good. So (laughs) I think that definitely the weight stuff was a big issue for me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I've never had any desire to like get my boobs done or my nose done or anything like that. The thing is like, what's so interesting is, you know, I'm, I, I talk a lot about being a modern woman and embracing who you are and loving yourself. But I also think if you want to do things to your face, you know, like I get Botox because I have gnarly wrinkles around my eyes. If you want to do that, by all means, like if it's going to make you feel good, do it. But I also feel like you don't have to do anything to like fit into a certain mold, but if it's going to make you feel good and make you feel better, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I get this question a lot too. Like people will ask me, well, how can you say you fully accept and love yourself and also change things about yourself? And I think like for me, it comes down to like my motive with it. If I'm changing something because I'm like, oh, I don't want these like crow's feet. Like I love myself, but I also like don't want these crow's feet, but I don't expect it to change how I feel inside or like change anything about my life. That's one thing. But if I'm like, I have to do this because I like, I hate myself, (laughs) then that's completely different. And that's where I think, I don't know, like they're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. I agree. And I think too, you know, I remember I was using this like one filter in particular for a while. And I think it was called like the supermodel filter. And I don't know what it did to my face, but I loved it. And I will never forget, it got to this point where I sent a screenshot of my face with the filter on it and just like my normal face. And I said to my friend who's a plastic surgeon, and I said, what do I need to do to look like that? And I will never forget that moment because I was like, I'm literally (laughs) sending this guy a picture of my face through a filter and saying, how can I cosmetically change my face to look like that? And that's kind of when I took a different... I was like, I'm going to stop using all these crazy filters yeah. because it was messing with my head. You know, yeah. when I'm in my 30s, I feel like I'm a, you know, I, I don't, I was like, <laughs> totally just not really shook me to my core. I was like, okay, Tanya. I had to uh, stop using those. I stopped using those too. I'll do a Paris filter. That's like the extent of my filtering. Or if there's like a moody, like sometimes, but nothing that I was talking to my photographer earlier about this because we were 
shooting like something and I put a filter on and I was like, holy shit, who is that person? Like it changed everything and it can really mess with your mind. Like I will not go off on this tangent because I do it often on this show, but it's crazy. I cannot imagine being like 12 or 13 years old, fucking like awkward stage. And then you put on like the cute baby face. That's the one my friends and I always joke about. We're like, we want cute baby face. And then you're like, oh wait, like, can you imagine the seed being planted when you're like no. going through puberty? Like, no. And honestly, it's so, it's so funny because I think everybody, you know, you want to look good. You want to look good. You want to feel good. Mm-hmm. And it's your own prerogative. Like whatever makes you look good, feel good, you know? And so for me, like, especially since the pandemic, I love wearing sweats. So like mm-hmm. I feel good in sweats. I like wearing sweats. I can make them look cute. And it's just kind of about doing what you want, how you feel. And I don't know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not anti anything. You know, if you want to go get something done, like, I think it's totally fine. But at the same time, I don't feel like you need to do anything to fit in. Yeah. But it does. It's like when you compare yourself, it's like compare and despair. And I think that Mm -hmm. really easy. There are certain things that I've dealt with, like something recently, even where I was like, starting to obsess over it. And I was like, I, if only like this were different, I want to change this. And I had to like, just pray for acceptance and the acceptance came and I let it go. And it's like, there is, I mean, obviously we all know, like I do things on my face, (laughs) but there is so much beauty and just like accepting something being like, no, this is like who I am. Like we're all, it's getting into such dangerous territory, I think where we are right now, where like everyone is starting to like want the same thing and starting to look the same and we're like losing individuality. And that's something that I love about you so much. Like you are just so authentically yourself. Appreciate that. I appreciate that because, you know, it is, I remember when I started in TV, it was like, I felt like the bigger girl on screen, you know? And it's like, you look, you watch yourself back and you're like, oh my God, that's what I look like on, (laughs) on TV. You know, like, you don't, you, I don't know. It's like this weird thing that happens. And so I've stopped watching myself back. That was the first thing because I also would pick myself apart about the way that I would, you know, I open my, whenever I'm shocked or whatever, I open my eyes really big and I make like this, you know, (laughs) bug out face and, I would like, sometimes when I laugh, I look like a hyena. No, and, <laughs> no but I don't like it. It's like, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, that's what yeah. I look like. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, I just want to be me. I don't want to think about, mm-hmm. that, you know? And so it's, yeah, it's, and, it's an interesting. And we see ourselves so differently than other people. So yeah, it's like, I would never think any of that about you. I see you on TV and like when you've done carpets and I'm like, she looks freaking amazing. But I know how it is. Like even today, this is like shooting with my photographer pictures. Nobody is ever going to see, but you're going through a thousand pictures to get the one good one. And all the other ones, I'm like, I look like that. Like, this is fucking terrible. I can never move my face like this again. And I can't look down and like all these things. (laughs) It's crazy. It'll make you crazy if you like start to upset, if you start to care about it and start to believe it. I think. And and honestly too, like, I think that's why, like when we, when we record our podcast, so I like when Becca sits right next to me. So our Mm -hmm. like thing is just so tight on our faces. And so you just see everything Mm -hmm. and I almost like it better because I'm like, I always look like crap when we're doing the podcast because that's usually after my workout. And 
my facial expressions are just like genuinely what they are. And it's like, I look so bad, but I also don't care. You know what I mean? So I'm like, that's what I look like. So it's definitely, I think getting used to it too, because I think also with Instagram, you know, everybody uses the filters and you start seeing yourself like that. Mm -hmm. And then when you see yourself in the mirror or whatever, you're like, oh. (laughs) Do you know who Heather McDonald is? Yeah, of course. She always says like, I don't want to use the filter because I want people to see me in real life and be like, whoa, she looks so much better than she looks online. (laughs) Like if you're using cute baby face filter or like Kylie Jenner filter, and then you see somebody in real life, they're going to be like, uh... That's happened to me once. And I was just like shocked. I oh was my God. really shook to my core because it literally looked like a different person in real really? life. Yeah. Ooh. And I was just like, this is a reality. It's that time of year when we are all probably thinking about gifts and I have the perfect thing for your family members or loved ones because the best gifts are the most meaningful, thoughtful ones. So I am talking about StoryWorth. It is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. It's a thoughtful and meaningful gift, like I said, that connects you to those who matter the most. So how it works is really cool. Every week, StoryWorth emails your relative or friend a thought-provoking question of your choice from their pool of possible options. They have so many, like they can ask, what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or if you could see into the future, what would you want to find out? And then after a year, StoryWorth will compile all your loved ones' stories, including photos into this beautiful keepsake book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. And this is so cool because one of my favorite gifts that I've ever received was from my mom. She put together this scrapbook of all these different pages. Each page was dedicated to a year of my life. I think maybe it was actually for my 21st birthday. And that thing now is like tattered and I still have it with me. And it's like one of my most cherished things. So This is kind of an updated version of that where you can have these stories and these photos and memories and everything forever. So it's so cool. Reading the weekly stories will help you connect with your loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. And so you can be connected throughout the whole process, which is also really cool. So with StoryWorth, I know I'm giving the ones that I love the most thoughtful personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories for years to come. So you can go to storyworth.com slash blonde and you can save $10 on your first purchase. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash B-L-O-N-D-E to save $10 on your first purchase. All right. So I definitely want to talk to you about dating. You've been very open about your dating life and you're happily in a relationship now, which you're sharing about, but it wasn't always like that. And you shared really openly about kind of your trials and tribulations and dating. So what was that like for you? And how did you bring this kind of gratitude into that aspect of your life? It's so funny because I think like dating is such a universal... I don't know what the word I'm trying. It's like, it brings people together because everybody's done it. You know, mm-hmm. like we've all, even when you're, if you're married or whatever, like we've all dated. And I think when I went through this public, we not public. When I went through the breakup, when I first got on air, 
I talked about it on air because it was just like so fresh and I was so young. I didn't, you know, it was just, didn't the, the, the microphone wasn't even a thing. I just felt like I was like talking to my friends about my breakup. So for a few years, I feel like I was on this path of just dating to date and just get back out there. And it was fun and I didn't really like anybody. And so I could talk about it on the air and like have it be a teaching moment. And it got to a point where I was like, I was single for six, seven years. And I was like, okay, Tanya, time to take this seriously. So I started like really taking it seriously. And it's just crazy because when I tell you the things that have happened to me in my dating life, like I met a guy on Wilshire Boulevard once, like literally you talk about. <laughs> on Wilshire Boulevard. And he asked me for my number and we went out a few times and I saw him on like a date with another person. Like literally he walked right past me on a date with somebody while I was out to lunch with my best friend, Becca. And I was supposed to see him that night. And like, oh. I already gone to like second base with this guy. Like I was, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. wasn't just like, so just like all the things that would happen to me were literally just out of a movie. I had like a misconnection <laughs> with somebody once in Venice. We went on the air to try and find him. I knew his name and like what he did. And somehow we like found him. We got together, went on a date. So it was just like this weird movie of just like, I went through everything. I met a guy at Whole Foods once and like, <laughs> went on a date with him and he didn't own a television. And I was like, (laughs) not going to work. So it was like, everybody's kind of watching me and like listening to me go through all these like things. And it got to a point a couple of years ago where I was like really sad about it. I was feeling like really discouraged and just like, when's my time? I'm going to all my friends' weddings. All my friends are having babies. I'm still single going through it. Like what the fuck? And then I met this like amazing man on a dating app of all places. And really unexpected. My girlfriend forced me to do it. And I went to happy hour with him thinking like, Oh, I'll go at five o'clock. I'll be home at seven. I can like pack. I was going to New York the next day for work. Ended up staying with him at the bar until like uh, from five to 10 PM and just totally hit it off. And it was like one of those things, like when we kissed that night, got the fanny flutters. And I was like, this guy's different. What are the fanny flutters? When your vagina tingles. Oh, okay. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. From like a first kiss. So I was like, whoa, this wow. is a little different and exciting. And so it's been two years now. We just like celebrated two years, but it was like a whirlwind because he has two kids. And so, and he's very private and I'm not. <laughs> so in the beginning, it was hard balancing, you know what I mean? Like somebody who's super private and then somebody who's very public. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we got to a good place with it in terms of just like what I share and what I don't share mm-hmm. um, to where I feel like I'm still connecting with people and being authentically myself, but I'm also protecting like his children and their privacy and, you know, mm-hmm. that aspect. Of it. I can relate to that a lot on a smaller scale. Like I'm obviously not on radio, but Chuck is like so intensely private. And it was hard for me in the beginning, although a little bit easier because at the time that we started dating, I only had Instagram. I didn't have my podcast. So it wasn't like I was like hiding something to, per se, but even still now, like he doesn't want, sounds obnoxious, but like the house on Instagram or like where we're going, what we're doing, like he just doesn't want any of that. And I respect that, but it can be yeah, hard when that's like your it? job. What? How do you balance that? Um... He's gotten you like half your portion. You're like, okay, I'll take my photos here. This I'm part. always I'm always in the bathroom. If I'm ever on like stories or anything, and I'm 
back in LA, I'm always in the bathroom to the point where somebody sent me a DM that she meant to send her friend and was like, do you think he keeps her locked in the bathroom? (laughs) And I was like, screw you. Um, But he's gotten better about it. Like he understands now. He's like, I get that. Like, you know, you can't like go hide yourself, like lock yourself in a closet. But yeah, it's definitely like, definitely a balance. Yeah. And I think too, I think because I was so open and I gave every part of me to my job. Like there was not one ounce of privacy that I had, not because anybody made me because that's just how I am. And so I think when I started to pull back a little bit, I felt like this weird shift. And I was just like, I'm more, I have more to offer than my dating life. You know, like Mm -hmm. I have a lot more to bring to the table and I'm not just this one trick pony. And so I almost then kind of took a hard turn and just stopped talking about it completely because I was like, I'm more than that. I have so much more to offer. Don't pigeonhole me into that, you know, into that role, that space. Right. Um, But it is, it's, it's interesting because we are public figures and I enjoy creating community and I enjoy talking about my life and my experiences and, you know, milestones that we had. And like in the beginning when it's like, I left my toothbrush there, what else? (laughs) You know, like these are relatable things. And so, um, I think it was like a fine dance in the beginning of figuring out what he's comfortable with and what he's not comfortable with. And I think at the end of the day too, he really admires what I do. You know, even though he's private, he loves what I do. And he's like seen, he's, he came to our live podcast show and he thinks it's really purpose-filled and loves it. And so he's like, I don't want to take away from that in any way. So he's kind of opened up a lot more too. Like he came on the morning show for my birthday and I was like, (laughs) you know, uh, so it's like baby steps, steps. maybe in a couple of years I can like, maybe he'll like do the podcast with me or something. (laughs) I got Chuck to do the podcast twice. That was like when I knew he was like, really fully accepting it and being super supportive. The first time he did it, it was like right when the pandemic started. So I feel like he was kind of doing me a solid. And then he was like, never again. I'm sorry. I love you, but like never again. Like, I just don't want to be like, he's like, I don't want to be a public person. I want to be like behind the scenes. And then I got him to do it again this year. So score. Yeah. But it's also (laughs) like, that's their prerogative, you know, like that that's how they want to live their lives. And that's okay. You know, my boyfriend has a private Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Those don't even make sense to me. Yeah. I'm like, why is private? And like, what do you, like, what is the private Instagram account? But like, whatever, if that's what makes them comfortable, that's what they want. Then like, yeah, I feel like with Chuck, I mean, he doesn't even have social media, but I feel like it has made me a little more like cognizant of being more present when I'm with him and like not sharing everything. And you know, if we're like traveling or out to dinner or whatever, like just being there with him and not being connected to that piece you know, of it. I had this conversation with my best friend the other day because I love social media. I don't care mm-hmm. what people say. I was like the, you know, bad website <laughs> or whatever. I love it. I feel like I can connect with people through it and I love doing it. We were talking about some of these influencers that, that we follow and they have kids and they're constantly every single day, you know, what they did from when they woke up until when they went to bed and what their yeah. kids are eating for lunch and what their kids are <laughs> being for Halloween. And I was just like, it seems like this. And and some of them we know personally, and we're like, they're not that happy family that you, that everybody sees, you know what I mean? Like the behind the scenes of getting this photo was yelling and screaming. And it's so crazy because I think you can't get caught up in this world of wanting to share every single thing that you really like lose the moment, you know? And so Mm -hmm. like being aware of actually living your life and sharing it, but like, you can also do both in like a nice way. Right. So back to the dating piece, 
how did you really value yourself and not settle? Because I would imagine that going through all of that, especially when you see your friends getting married and having kids, and I'm sure that you dated like guys that were good. How did you really honor yourself and not decide to stay in a relationship maybe for convenience or just to be in a relationship. I think that's something that uh, so many women, especially our age, struggle with and will send me messages about like, I'm I'm in the relationship with this guy. I love him, but I don't know that he's the one, but I'm like 32 and I don't know what to do. So what is your experience with that? I, I totally agree with you. Like if I wanted to be married at 25, I could have married the guy that I was dating. He wanted to marry me tomorrow, you know, like I could have been married, but I think that I had this vision of what I wanted my life to be like. And for a while it was getting myself to that place of really just kind of being independent and being able to do things on my own because I didn't want to. And I don't want to, when I do get married, I still don't want to rely on somebody fully. You know, I want to always have Uh, like a backbone or, you know what I mean? Like I want to have my own life. And so I had this vision. So I was getting myself to that place, being stable first. And then I think I saw a lot of my friends fall in that trap of marrying somebody just because it was that time. And the guys were kind of immature and like not ready. And the things that they would complain about, I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to babysit somebody my entire life. I want a life partner. I want somebody that is my partner that I can help out when he needs it. He can help out when I need it. And I just wasn't taking anything less. And what's interesting is about four or five years prior to meeting my current boyfriend, I decided I wasn't going to have an attached sex anymore because I was like giving my body and having sex with these guys and not getting a committed relationship, which is what I ultimately wanted. So I made this decision to not have an attached sex. So I didn't have sex for like four or five years before my current boyfriend. And that like kind of helped weed out a lot of men quickly. Because <laughs> uh, they just did their, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. was a big easy way of seeing if somebody was in it for me or just you know, the physical aspect of it. So if, if then you didn't have sex for four or five years, does that mean that everybody was only in it to have sex? No, 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 no. (laughs) Like there were a few that I dated, I'd say two or three that were almost to the point of like, got it being in a committed relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> no, 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 There were, there were like three or four gems. Got it. Um, okay. They just weren't it. Like I dated a guy who was my age, but he was really intimidated by the fact that I had a vision and a career and I knew what I wanted and he just wasn't there. He was still living with like five guys in a house. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like I needed to lower myself a little bit. Like I couldn't share and exciting things that were happening for me. And I didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. And looking back, I'm so happy that I was that. And I, I don't want to call it picky because it's not picky. It was never, I didn't have like a certain type of guy that I was looking for physically, but I always wanted to be with somebody that I admire. And that's like exactly what I found. You know, I found this guy who I admire the man that he is. He has a really, he has great character. He's super loyal. He's super loving. And he's somebody that I want to do life with, you know, like I trust him completely. If I'm having a bad day or if I'm stressed, like he volunteers to help me in any way that he can and vice versa. And it's like a true partnership where I've never felt that before. 
it was always, I felt like I had to bring myself down a little bit or kind mm-hmm. of fit this role that I didn't want to fit. Mm-hmm. So that. that's kind of where I just didn't want to settle. And to me, it's like, I think I got through that phase in, in my early twenties when all my mm-hmm. friends got married. So at that point, you know, when I was in my late twenties, early thirties, I was like, I don't care how long it takes. If I'm, you know, 38 and single, like I can freeze my eggs, I can, you know, do my thing. I don't want to just be with somebody, just be with somebody. I feel like it's so different now. Like, I don't know. I feel like 40 really is the new 30. And so many more people are having kids like into their forties. And it's just like a different landscape now. I think not everyone is getting married at 22. Like I remember when I was growing up in high school, like newlyweds was the big thing, Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey. And I was like, all right, so I'm going to get married and have kids at 22. (laughs) You know, it's like so different now. And you know, what's interesting. And I'm, I get on such a good, I can go on a tangent about this, but it's like, and as society, we only celebrate women when they get engaged, but they have a baby. <laughs> and it's so ridiculous. It's like, that's our plateau. Like that's what's yeah. bad. Like what? It, it sends such a warped message. And so I'm like trying to, my girlfriend of mine just bought a house. And I'm like, we should have a, you know, I'm going to make you a registry so that people can buy, buy you things for your house who cares if you're not married and you know what I mean? It's like, why do you have registries for when you get married and have babies? Like yeah. you just bought a house. That's so badass. <laughs> it reminds me of that sex in the city episode where Carrie like registered, right? She like says that she's marrying herself. <laughs> yeah. And she it's registers so- and has people send her gifts and everything. There's this, uh, <laughs> there's a Netflix special on, uh, I, remember, I think her name's Taylor Tomlinson. It's called quarter life crisis. She talks about when she got engaged and she's like, something happens to you when you get that ring on your finger <laughs> where you just walk around like you <laughs> like fly. She's like, I went to Target and they were, you know, ma'am, do you need help grabbing that? She's like, no, somebody loves me. And it's just like, <laughs> so true. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so true. <laughs> it's like all we aspire for. And she's like, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. And then like, after you have babies, then it's like it, like women are discarded, like irrelevant, obsolete after they're like 35. I mean, especially like physically too. I'm like, men get hotter with age. They're like so celebrated into like their fifties, even sixties, like for their looks. I mean, how old is Brad Pitt now? Like almost 60, probably late fifties. I don't see any women really that age being like revered for their beauty, which is no, crazy. <laughs> on the contrary, they're like Sarah Jessica Parker was getting all that criticism yeah. for the gray hair for Sin yeah. City. What in the world? But I then mean, the other, but then, but then Charlotte, Kristen Davis, she had some filler or whatever, and she was getting dragged for doing that. So it's like there's no like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's the thing I think that sucks. That breaks my heart about you know when women tear down other women for doing things that mm-hmm. make them, make them happy, you know, like yeah. I'm very lucky and fortunate that my Instagram following is very encouraging and loving. And, and I don't really get much of that, but I do from time to time get one or two of the nasty ones. And it's just like, why, mm-hmm. why it's always women I too. Being, I couldn't imagine being a, a mom and having to deal with all that. Everybody's opinion about that. Like, Hillary Duff wants to pierce her daughter's ears and people are like sending her death threats. It's ah, like, crazy. I feel like people have truly gone crazy over the last two years, especially being kind of like 
in some sort of social isolation, just having like you and your phone, it's like trendy now to like be as snarky as you can possibly be in comments. And like, it's cool to troll, like, especially, I mean, TikTok is like savage for that. The comments, sometimes they're kind of funny, but but they can be so terrible and it's like celebrated. Same thing on Instagram sometimes. Like it's just my block finger is so happy. I'm like block, 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 block. Oh, block. you do? I used to not because I was like, no, I am going to be like fair person and people free speech. They can say whatever they want. And sometimes I would try to like rationalize with people. Like, what do people say about you? Oh my God. Well, the lowest hanging fruit is like the relationship stuff. So being in a relationship with somebody who's older, people tell me I'm a gold digger, even though like I do really well in my career. People say like, I'm addicted to plastic surgery. Also just like the fact that you found somebody and you fell in love and you're so happy and you found a partner to do life with, like that's such a thing to celebrate. Do you know what I mean? It's always women. And like, I'll go to their pages sometimes and they're like moms with young kids. And I'm like, this blows my mind. Like, how is that how you're spending your time? And this is where your energy is going. And like it, always goes back to like hurt people, hurt people. Like you're not in a good place sitting there, you know, trolling some other woman's Instagram. Like it's not because you're so happy inside, but it's like, if I get any of that, I just block so fast because I don't want the energy suck. Like, yeah, you know, anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, I could keep going with you forever and ever, but I I just really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything. I think because you have such such a positive attitude and just like a really unique mindset. I mean, I am always mystified when people can kind of have this perspective when they're not like recovering drug addicts or alcoholics. I'm like, I was forced into this like life of like, I don't even know what I would call it. I had to adopt this kind of outlook because otherwise I'm going to die. And so when people have that naturally, it always, I don't know, I really admire it. So I want to ask you you, (laughs) in closing, what is one thing everyone should start doing today? Making your bed when you wake up in the morning. Love that. That is like a simple routine that I have every day that just like gets me on the right foot. You know, like you mm-hmm. feel like you've already accomplished something. You feel cleaner. You feel neater. Like I used to never make my bed because mornings are always so crazy for me that it was just like, get up, get dressed, get out the house. And then I'd come home and I bet it's just making your bed is such a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think, and I get, a, I do get criticism about this because a lot of people will say, you know, cause I say I wake up in the morning and I choose to be happy. Like I choose to look at the stuff that's going right in my life because I think anybody and everybody can be a victim of something, you know, like we can always be, why me? Why is this happening to me? And I try and have that different approach in the morning. I just choose happy. I just choose to focus on the good things. And a lot of people just say like, that's toxic positivity. And like, you shouldn't be telling people that because some people clinically can't do that medically, or I don't, you know, whatever. And I'm like, I understand that, you know, and I, I have a lot of grace and empathy for people that need to be medicated and have an imbalance. I can't speak on that because that's not my reality. You know, like my reality is my reality and my circumstance. And this is what helps me. So like, all I can do is share 
what helps me in my life, that's all I can do. That's the best that I can do. So um, I'd say make your bed and wake up and just choose to be happy or choose to look at the good stuff. I love that. And there is a distinction, I think, between like maybe somebody can't choose to be happy, but you can choose to focus on the good in your life. And when you focus on the good, the good usually grows. So love that perspective. Where can everybody find you, follow you, all of that? They can follow me at Tanya Rad on Instagram and Twitter. I don't remember my TikTok. I think <laughs> Tanya, yeah, it was Tanya Rad or something like that. Um, then I'm on air with Ryan Seacrest weekday mornings. And then my podcast is Scrubbing in with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rad. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way, and it's actually the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. I'm always posting about each episode there or over on my personal page at Ariel Laurie.